מתחילות. אוקיי. הלו, ג'ואנה, how are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. I'm so happy to see you again. Thank you for taking the time from your busy schedule to speak with me. I think that what you're doing is so important and, you know, we got such wonderful reaction after the first podcast and, you know, everybody are interested in what you're doing and, you know, friends are asking me, can you introduce us to her? Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, you're really there. I told you what I think, what I'm thinking about you. So it's not a secret that I admire you and your work. So there we go. So for the people who don't know who you are, I don't want to go to hold, but I want to concentrate on the fact that you, about, it was what, 12 years ago? 2009, so... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Actually, exactly uh, yeah. around, around this time. Yeah. 13 years yeah. ago. Yeah. So you had an epiphany, if I may say. I, I just yes. need, I, I'll just say, this is Joanna Landau, and she's the CEO, and she's the founder and CEO of Vibe Israel, uh, as you see. And she's going to take us now through her journey and more than that, what she's doing right now. So, 13 years ago, you had an epiphany around this time, and what happened? <laughs> I just basically uh, um, felt that uh, there's a way to uh, tell Israel's story to the world, especially young people, um, that isn't focused on um, the politics or the religion or the things that everybody was always talking about, uh, and was mainly focused on, on what Israel does best, kind of connects very much, of course, to your podcast and, and what you focus on. But basically, that there's a way to uh, share Israel's story, uh, focusing on our strengths rather than perhaps one would argue our weaknesses, uh, and that there's a whole um, industry which actually does that called country and nation branding. And every other country does it, but Israel, not so much. And so I decided that I wanted to um, implement that in Israel. Uh, it wasn't my idea. It was a project that started in the foreign ministry. Uh, but uh, in any other country that it worked well in, there was always sort of buy-in from the um, non-governmental sector, from the people. Mm. And so I established uh, Vibe Israel as um, a sort of external organization that comes from the citizens, so it comes from the people, but says, yes, I believe that this is Israel's story and this is the story that we should be telling the world. Uh, and we uh, decided to go ahead and start telling it in all sorts of... weird, wonderful ways. Sorry, you're too modest, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm taking, you know, I'm taking a step, you know, back, and I want to share with the audience that you had a very successful business. Okay. <laughs> and, and, no, no, and you made the decision to close it, meaning there was some personal, I wouldn't say sacrifice, but definitely giving up on some, if you created, what is one who created is her own business as well. It's something that you cherish and you, you know, you put a lot of energy and it's, it's important for you. So it's, I think it's unusual that you, you know, you're making a decision to close a private business, you know, which you are highly successful in and to do something for your country and for your nation and for your people. Yeah. So, it's, uh, thank you. I, I, um, It was a result of doing some um, coaching that started actually as business coaching for my business and then very quickly transitioned into life coaching for myself because I was more interested in kind of understanding what it is that, that I was looking for long term. And I was a, a young mother of three very young children. And um, uh, we were talking in Hebrew, the coach and I. But um, when you do life coaching, then you're kind of asked, what is it that you want to sort of dedicate your life to? And what do you really feel very, very strongly about? And um, in Hebrew, uh, the word is yud, but in English, uh, the word is calling in the sense that something is mm. calling you and that it's stronger than you. And if it, if it pops up and surfaces, uh, once it out, it's out there and you see it there and, and you feel that you're able to sort of, you know, go after it and you feel strongly about it, then it just, it, it calls you. And, and I have to say almost 15 years later, that doesn't matter whether I'm fed up with <laughs> what's going on right now, or that I you know, feel that I could be doing better or that there are things that are out of my control. I find myself unable to move away from this field that I decided to focus on. Uh, and for me, it was about the future of my, my, uh, 
my children yes, and, and their choices in Israel. Uh, and also about um, how, because I'm originally from England, then how the Jewish people outside of Israel are being affected by Israel's image. And um, the sense that, that I didn't understand why what I saw about Israel was primarily positive, even though I could recognize that there were negatives. Um, and yet what the world was saying was primarily, neg primarily negative and didn't even know most of the positive things. And that just didn't, that just didn't make sense to me. It felt to me that the problem was in the methodology and not so much, you know, it's media bias or it's something else that's stopping mm. us. So I, I just felt uh, it was stronger than me. And, and I guess wow. it still is. That's, that's it. And may I ask, how, how was the reaction? I mean, your clients, you're telling them you're busy, you're closing the business in order to do something for Israel. And how, I was, I'm wondering, and there was nothing yet, you know, nothing existed yet. You had just, you had the vision and the passion and the calling and, yeah. and you're giving out of something, which, think, you know. I don't think it surprised anyone. I think that... I <laughs> No, just because I've always been on this um, dual relationship between being Israeli, but also being originally from outside of Israel and that connection and that sort of care and the ability to see Israel from the outside in and not just from the inside out has always been part of who I am. I'm also, my husband is also very similar. We both, he's American, Israeli or Israeli American. Um, and um I think for people like that, it, it doesn't it doesn't usually surprise uh, anyone if they decide that they want to dedicate themselves to something that's, you know, about the country and not so much just about themselves. But, but, so you get up in the morning, you say, I want to do something for Israel. I want to improve the image or the perception of Israel. Mm -hmm. What do you do next? I mean, from, you know, <laughs> so you can... what I actually did was I phoned my grandmother <laughs> who had a lot of connections uh, that I never tapped into because I didn't feel it was it was right. And uh, uh, but at this point, because I was so passionate about it, I was like, Grandma, you know, you know people, introduce me to someone. And um, she uh, had just actually met uh, someone in the Foreign Office who told her about this project. And the project was called the Brand Israel Project. And I had just completed a master's degree and an MBA with a focus on marketing and branding. And she said, you know, you like branding. You care about Israel, maybe there's some kind of connection. And, and uh, she basically invited him for, for lunch and we went out for lunch together. Uh, his name is Ido Aroni. He was the consul general um, of uh, Israel in New York, but this was before then. And uh, I think I mentioned it last time as well. And we went out for, for lunch and he started talking about Israel in, in terms that I had not heard before. Usually when you think about how do you tell Israel's story or improve Israel's image, um, the focus is on, on issues relating to the conflict. How do we explain it better? How do we get people to understand and contextualize what we're dealing with here so that, so that we're not seen to be, uh, you know, Goliath and there's this new David in town? And uh, he wasn't talking about that at all. He was talking about the spirit of the Israeli people, about the strength of the Israeli tech. Uh, the book Startup Nation just came out. And, um, you know, the, the, the beauty of the country and all these different things that kind of made me realize why I live here to begin with. Wow. And so it was very, um, it connected very much to things that I was feeling very strongly about around that time. As I mentioned, I was doing life coaching. Um, and so I said, you had me at hello. What do I, what, like, what do you, what does one do to join this amazing project that you're setting up? And so he invested a lot of energy and time in me. Um, Apparently, a lot of people had said to him, I'm very interested, what can I do? And then he would send them away and give them some kind of project to do and then come back. And then usually 98% would not come back because it's nice to say I'm interested. But in the end, you know, if you're not really then, if you don't want to do the work, you, you just don't do it. Yeah. And I came back with like a laminated uh, report <laughs> of like 12 <laughs> ideas for the 12 tribes of Israel of how to market and brand Israel wow. to the world and I don't think he ever read it. Uh, I don't think I ever did <laughs> again, but I think it was very clear that I was very passionate about it. And so for about eight months, I shadowed him. I went with him to meetings. He was very kind and, and, uh, and sort of allowed me to join him uh, to meetings that he was going to. So a lot of meetings 
within um, you know, government circles and then meetings outside of government circles because he quickly understood that it might not take off within the government and that business and, and other types of culture, these are all industries that can take part in telling Israel's story. And uh, I, was, I was mainly in charge of putting together groups of people from outside of the government who would come because I invited them and then hear what Ido had to say and hear about this new methodology um, and then uh, hopefully get on board with it. And because I tend to do things, I don't know, I just go all in. So I, I established an organization and had a name and everything before I even knew what wow. the hell we were going to do. Wow. <laughs> do this. Yeah, I was so excited about it that I, that we went How long it. did it take you to, to, you know, to create the... the Probably it took about, I don't remember exactly, probably about six yeah. months. Wow. Something like that. Yeah, we did, like, I did a proper process of, of branding yeah. and, you know, coming up with a name and so on. It wasn't originally Vibe Israel, it was a different name, uh, and we changed it over time. But um, basically, alongside shadowing Idan, um, I also got together people and did some brainstormings of just people who cared and um, seemed to know more than I did about various various ways of communicating a story, uh, whether it's on digital or through events or in a ton of different ways. Um, and and people came up with ideas, and eventually one of the ideas took took over, and and uh, and we went ahead with it. That's brilliant. So why vibe? <laughs> I mean, why vibe is wrong? Yeah. Um, well, originally we had a different name, and um, um, vibe. I can remember was, it was yeah. kinetic. Or... Kinetics, yeah, it was about combining the term um, kinetic energy and Israel. So kinetic energy is when you have momentum that comes from movement and and mm. mass. And the idea was to get more and more people on board and to create like a movement of people who, who care about uh, Israel and, and so on. Um, but uh, with hindsight, um, the word kinetis sounds a bit like, uh, I don't know, like a viral disease or something. I don't know, it, doesn't sound, <laughs> it doesn't sound like what, uh, what it was. And, uh, and it was a difficult word to actually. It's, yeah, it's, it's complicated. It's, it's, not a, it's not a nice word. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, uh, actually, we did some, uh, um, one of the groups that, uh, I don't remember who it was, but one of the groups that, that I was consulting with and the people that I was consulting with, um, they had their own uh, sort of branding people and they said, you know, we'll come up with, with a name. Uh, and they came up with, uh, with Vibe Israel. And the idea was mainly that what we're trying to convey is the, is the vibe of the country. And to, to you know, when... A lot of Israel's story was about facts and figures and information that was being provided. Mm. You know, what are our policies? Why are they justified? Here's the information and, and so on and so forth. Whereas storytelling is about creating a, a, a visual uh, reality in one's mind. And that very much has to do with the atmosphere of the place and the energy uh, and the vibe. So we liked the word vibe because it was also kind of with movement and energy and, and we felt it was relevant. And I, and I decided actively to include the name Israel in the name of the organization. Uh, it was a sense of not fearing to put Israel in the name uh, uh, because we were going through a stage where people were trying to downplay the name Israel because of the concern about the negative narrative and so on. Mm. And I insisted on keeping it in the name of the organization. Uh, and it stuck to this day. Joanna, I must tell you, you're such a source of inspiration. I must tell you, you know, it's a, it's a little bit, one, for one second, person, I want to create, you know, a futures research organization. And I've been consulting with some friends and it says, no, go, it should be an international one. And, you know, and I... And I was last week and I was speaking with some very, you know, very close friends and people that I trust. And he says, no, 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 no. It should be because it's futures. And, and you know, I went home and I says, no, but I'm an Israeli. I'm proud. No, no, no. I, and I'm listening to you. And, you know, I just made the decision. It's going to have Israel uh -huh. in the name. That's it. <laughs> I, think saying, no, no, it's, uh, I think if it's reflective of Israel's spirit and takes and leverages what we're best at, and we're really good at certain things that differentiate us from other countries, um, then, then yes, relating it to Israel and saying it's very deeply entrenched in, 
in who we are and what we're all about. And this is the kind of consulting that you're going to get. The added value is that it's coming from an Israeli. It's yeah. like, you know, we associate Germans with being very, very pedantic and very organized. And, yeah. you know, yeah. we associate the French with being, you know, and the Italian. So yeah. if people, and certainly in your field of innovation and so on, um, Israel is certainly a country that has this can-do yeah. attitude and these, you know, thinking out of the box and this ability to dream the impossible and to actually implement as well, not perfectly because we're not German, uh, but it'll get done. I think that um, those those are the the biggest strengths of Israel, and I'm I'm actually um, part of my work is to try and get Israeli companies to highlight their Israeliness because when Israel's story is told well, and through the high tech it is told well, people do appreciate Israel's high tech. Um, it bypasses everything else. It also even bypasses uh, most of and almost like ninety eight percent or ninety nine percent of the anti-Israel narrative. Can't say the yeah. same for many other aspects of Israel, but certainly business, innovation. Um, we we have a, you know, there's Silicon Valley and there's Silicon Valley. And <laughs> Silicon Valley is, is, is the Middle Eastern version of, of Silicon I Valley. And there are a lot you of similarities. Know, you know, they're talking yeah. about the unicorns, right? And also about uh, the camel. Uh, yeah, it's like two different. Yeah, so you have the unicorns, but you have the camel startup. So yeah, there we go. So please stay. So you have this, uh, you have already created the organization. What is the strategy? Why did you choose it? Yeah. Okay, and then how you implant it. So, so um, there was already a brand book for Israel that the foreign ministry had published, um, hadn't circulated widely. But this book basically was a blueprint for what needed to be done. And it was very professionally done. They used the company from England. So clearly I had this <laughs> immediate affinity for it. And I read the book and I started reading all about um, country branding and nation branding. And I looked at other countries and what they did. Um, 10 or 15 years ago, it was very early days for this industry. Today, almost every country is doing it. But 10, 15 years ago, there were very few best practices. It wasn't clear what needed to be done. So each country sort of invented it as it went along. But I had this kind of blueprint and it was great, but the problem was that I was a nonprofit, uh, non-governmental. I didn't have the, the government behind me. I didn't have the mandate to sort of share Israel's story and, and own Israel mm. as a brand. Mm. Um, and yet at the same time, the, the government was also not really implementing it as, uh, as quickly and as efficiently as I had sort of expected. So I'm sitting there thinking, okay, what do we do? I've got this blueprint, but I can't really implement it at the level that the government wanted to do. Meanwhile, the government is doing stuff, but not enough. So as I mentioned, I, I brought some people around the table. I used to sort of order sushi and, and, and beer and, and people would come over <laughs> and we'd talk. Um, and, and we start, the, the question that I was saying was sort of, I was asking is, we know, this is the story, here's the book, like, you know, we've got the messaging um, that was done in a very professional way, so I trust it. Uh, but I don't know what, what I can do as a small organization to promote this story to the world. And some ideas came up, most of the people around the table were in their 30s and 40s. So not kind of, um, uh, too wed to the old ways and traditional ways of sort of advocating for Israel. A lot of them were in the tech community and digital and so on. And we started a conversation one day and it was mainly about, well, you know, bringing people to Israel is always the best way to get them to see what the country is about. Like you don't need to even say anything. You, you, you bring someone to Israel and they see it. They see that it's a country that has a huge amount of diversity. They feel the energy in the air the tradition, the, the culture, it's all, it's all there, right? So bringing people to Israel is the best way. And of course, the most well-known program that does that is Birthright, the Glyph, yeah, which is, can, yeah, for people who don't I know. Can I just ask you, because Birthright is stealing, I'm sorry that I, I interrupted you, I'm sorry, you wanted to- No, no, I just wanted to say if people don't know what Birthright is. Yeah, please it's do. It's basically the biggest educational um, uh, travel organization in the world basically it brings wow around 50,000 if not more uh young jewish people from around the world to israel on a 10-day wow. educational trip uh with the purpose being of connecting the diaspora to their country and there are many diasporas around the world 
Um, Birthright is the biggest educational travel company. Um, so it sounds like a, it's, it's not really a travel company. It's really an educational organization. And they do an incredible job, uh, but their focus is Jewish, young Jewish people. Um, and I was focusing on the non-Jewish world. So there was mm-hmm. issue there. So first of all, I want I want to ask you why did you choose that? But the second thing I, I want to challenge, you know, because let's assume I love traveling, okay? But you know, traveling takes a lot of energy. You need to take time off your work. You need to settle. If you're married, you have children, young children. So there is. It's a hassle. It doesn't yeah. matter how, how, why, 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 <laughs> why choosing this, which is in in many senses. It's the hardest way. It's, it's not yeah. because it, that was just the beginning of the conversation. That was my pushback as well. Oh. Oh, so really? I said we have two problems with with birthright. And by the way, I'm on the education committee of birthright. I wasn't then, but I am now, and I, it's a wonderful program. But there were two issues that were um, irrelevant for us, and therefore we couldn't do something similar. One was that it was aimed at, at Jews, and there is a natural connection for Jews with Israel, and therefore there's a desire maybe to come, right? But if you're not Jewish and you have no connection to Israel, why would you come on a trip to Israel? Because as you mentioned, that's the second issue, there are a lot of obstacles to taking time off, the cost associated with it, and so on. I didn't have the ability to invest the amount that Birthright invests in, in offering these trips practically for free. And so it was irrelevant for us to do what birthright was doing mm. but we were Why did you focus on the non-jewish because i felt that the um if you get somebody non-jewish to think that israel and to view israel positively then that will by definition impact an, a jewish person if a jewish person sees somebody non-jewish who has no reason to like israel or love israel other than the fact mm. that israel truly offers something positive wow. then they'll be impressed but the other way around doesn't necessarily work Wow. So if you've got Mayim Bialik. How, how did you get that? I mean, this, this is a wonderful insight. How did you get to I this? I think it insight? had to do with the fact that I went to boarding school in England, which was a Jewish boarding school when I was in high school. And then after the army, I went back to study law at Cambridge. And I was practically the only Jew that a lot of the people knew. And in the end, when I got married, uh, when I came back after the end of my degree, six or seven of my friends from non-Jewish friends came to my wedding and was the first time they ever visited Israel. And you could see that when somebody who has, like if I now go on a trip to Iceland and I come back and I say, wow, Iceland's amazing. You've got to, you know, take a look. Here's a video of something, as opposed to an Icelandic person saying it, clearly my message is going gonna, is gonna to hone deeper, right? Because I have nothing to gain from promoting or saying good things about Iceland. I don't live there. It's not my, you know, it's not my interest. Whereas a Jewish person um, has obviously an affinity to begin with. And so it's kind of when you have really uh, top Jewish people saying amazing things about Israel, by definition, it's taken with a little bit of like, well, you know, you, you're not objective. But if somebody non-Jewish says something good about Israel, then they are objective and that impacts everybody. No, okay. I'm just thinking about this fact that you said there was a calling and it seems that the seeds of the calling were already implanted because I, if you I, are married, you're a newlywed, you know, you're, you know, with your honeymoon and you're thinking about what your friends are saying, it, it, it's some ingrained. I think, it's I think when you find your calling, you realize that everything you did in your life has led mm-hmm. you to the calling. And I did very varied things and some things had nothing to do with what I do today. And then suddenly something comes up with what I'm doing today. And I'm like, wow, that's something... you know when I was 15 or something that I did when I was 22 or whatever that and it's somehow all connected but yeah it was probably something that was always in there it just took time to come out for me um but yeah so we we basically said okay bringing people to Israel is the best way to improve perceptions of the country we are interested in the non-Jewish world because we believe that that's if we get that, first of all, there are also many more non-Jews than there are Jews. And therefore, if we can get the <laughs> yeah. non-Jews yeah. to be supportive yeah. of Israel, then yeah. the Jews will, you know, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. If we get just Jews to be supportive of Israel, it's nice and it's great and it's good for Jewish peoplehood. But every Jew has a non-Jewish friend. And, and in the end, it's not enough. We can't do this alone. We can't rely only, you know, the Jews represent 
a, a minor, minor fraction of the world. It's not enough. And so um, we understood that we needed to somehow become relevant for non-Jews to want to come to Israel on a trip. Uh, we understood that we would have to pay for it, which meant that the trips had to be very, very small. So we didn't really understand who is the, the person, the profile of the person who um, has a very loud voice and would be willing to come to Israel to experience it for themselves. Why would they come? And somebody uh, at the time around the table uh, was doing something in the field, the early, early, early field of, of influencers. And they mm -hmm. threw out the idea of why don't you bring, uh, I think they said bloggers. It was 2010, something like that. Wow. And I said, what's that? <laughs> I, didn't <laughs> I didn't even join Facebook until 2011. And uh, they explained to me, these are people who have an interest and at the time, these were people who were not doing this as a job. It was their side job, right? And they, it's like an online diary, a journal. And they write about things that maybe Israel uh, has something interesting to, to add to their knowledge. And then, you know, their audiences, they, they're followed by, at the time, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Um, maybe it'll be interesting and we can create stories through that. And so we were like, oh, it's a very interesting idea. So we went, I went on to Google and I said, you know, top 50, uh, I don't know, food bloggers, because we know Israel has great food. Yeah. Um, and I see this list of people who are just random people I've never come across, never known, never. This was at a time when blogging was just becoming popular. There wasn't social media was just at the very yeah. early stages. We didn't even have smartphones, uh, uh, most mm. of us, or we didn't have streaming on smartphones and stuff like that. So it was very, very early days. Uh, and we understood that basically what we could do was take a group of say five or six of these bloggers from all over the world and invite them and pay for their trip and get them to come to Israel. Why would they come? Because it's a free trip, why not? Didn't yeah. seem like rocket science to us. Um, and, and there's a win-win, which I'm always looking for. So I'm looking for a distribution platform to tell Israel's story. Mm -hmm. They are looking for really great and interesting and unique content. Mm -hmm. So Israel is the kind of country that you wouldn't ordinarily just happen to come to. So if you're British or and you live in London, you could hop on the Eurostar and you'd be in Paris and you'll write something about Paris. But uh, you wouldn't hop on anything and, and turn up in Israel anytime <laughs> soon, unless you were invited. And so that's what we decided to do. We thought, okay, let's do a trip which is similar to Birthright. Birthright was 10 days, that was too long. We figured seven days. Um, not too expensive for us to actually, you know, make it happen. And, and I decided that I'm putting down the initial wow. uh, cost. Wow. Uh, just to check, it was like a pilot, just to yeah. check to see. And I decided I'm gonna do everything absolutely opposite to the way everything had been done before. Just oh. as it felt like- <laughs> Wow, <laughs> wow, tell, tell us, tell us, please. That <laughs> well, sounds interesting. Um, 10, 15 years ago, and unfortunately, to this day, are really quite similar in the sense that it's majorly focusing on the Holy Land, a visit to the religious areas, a discussion about, you know, how close, how small we are, and here are the borders, and there's the Hezbollah, and there's Gaza, and, you know, here's what we're doing to protect ourselves, and um, all sorts of things like that. Maybe a night in Tel Aviv, you know, just to like give a little bit of uh, shake it up a bit, but mostly Jerusalem, you know, religious sites, the desert, that kind of thing. And I felt that that was, uh, could be interesting, but it really depended on the <laughs> people that we would bring. And we understood- you know, bringing foodies, what are they gonna do in the cotton? <laughs> the first of all, we understood that the, um, the, the group has to be homogenous. The topic mm. was not Israel, because if we made it about Israel, because they're not Jewish, we assumed they wouldn't be necessarily that interested. But if we made it about food or design, or in the end, the first trip was mummy bloggers. So women who are writing about the experience of being mothers. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Uh, you're going to tell me how, how we got there. Okay. okay. Interesting. Okay. And um, we understood that if we invite them, we say, okay, we're inviting five mummy bloggers to come to Israel and learn what Israel does in the field of child rearing and parenthood and so on, mm. so that you'll have interesting content for your blogs. Then we figured that might be interesting. And uh, we did mummy bloggers because myself and the woman who was with me, uh, who I had hired for this, 
we were both young mothers. It seemed like we knew what we knew what we were doing with our own kids. And we wanted it to be very, very informal. So not what a government would do, not what a tourism board would do, not the usual stuff. Like we wanted it to be very people to people because by definition, um, it felt to me that that when you bypass all the formalities, especially in a country like Israel, you get to the real gems, right? The, the, the fun people, the interesting people, the ones who may not be the top, but they're the, the most interesting and fun to spend an afternoon you know, on the beach when the sun is going down with hummus and some beer. Like that was the, wow. the concept of the trip. Wow. And the idea was, and the instruction to the tour manager that I had hired was, imagine you're bringing five of your best friends. You know what they're interested in. You know what Israel has to offer. And we're just facilitating a match between those two experiences. Brilliant. Yeah. So um, that was when the- When was it? When was it? It was- 2011. June wow. 2011 wow. was our first trip. Um, we sent where, they, where they were from, Joanna, where they were so from. because um, I was funding it and I didn't have huge amounts, so we limited ourselves. We were most interested in areas where we felt that Israel had um, some some controversial uh, issue with its brand. So primarily Western democracies, North America, Western Europe, Australia, um, South Africa, the, oh. those kinds of a little bit of South America, not so much. Um, you know, the Far East, which was becoming very interested in Israel because of the book Startup Nation, because the, the, the brand of the Jew in the Far East was very positive. And so I didn't feel there was as much work to do there. Not so much Russia, because there were a million and a half Russians going back and forth between Israel and Russia. And therefore, there was a lot more familiarity, not Arab countries, because at the time there was no connection with Arab countries and not Africa, because mainly they were not as impactful on a global scale. Uh, same with Eastern Europe. So at the time, it was Europe, kind of the, the more Western countries, and too expensive for, to, for the flights from America. So we figured we'll send invitations. We, we Googled top 50 mummy bloggers uh, in England, Spain, and France, I think it was. And we got a list, and we sent out an invitation that says to their email. And we just said, Hi, we'd like to invite you on for a free trip to come to Israel and learn about what we do with kids and how we parent. And oh. yeah, it was very scary, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> the first time we, we sent it out because the, the, if you're not Jewish, then obviously you don't necessarily have this experience. But as Jewish people and Israelis, the, the concern is that the world is very much does not think positive things about Israel. And so we were concerned that we would get big backlash and people would say, no, we're not coming to Israel because of what you're doing with the Palestinians and, and all that. And um, we were very pleasantly surprised that um, most people, I think everyone, was wow. like, sure, I'll come. You know, it was awesome. Oh, now you had another problem. Now you have 15. And yeah, well, what we did was we had like a wish list. And mm -hmm. so we could choose the ones that we wanted most. Um, and, uh, and we invited five of them. The two, uh, two or three of them were from the UK and two of them were from, uh, Spain. They had a total following, which was very, it sounds minuscule, but under a hundred thousand followers for all five of them, which is nothing in today's terms. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was just from their blogs. Right. But it was a pilot and we were like, cool, let's do it. So we put together an itinerary, which seems to us to be interesting because it's what we do with our kids every day. And we were specifically, of course, we took the brand book, we had the messaging and we tried to follow the, the mm. messaging, which was very much about the entrepreneurial zeal of the Israeli tech community. So we had a startup session and it was about the uh, diversity of the Israeli people. So we included all types of Israelis from all walks of life and religions and so on. Um, and, um, We included a very strong element that had to do with, with the Jewish value of uh, tikkun olam, making the world a better place. Yeah. So it was very much about showing social entrepreneurship as well as tech and things like that. So we had the messaging and all we did was we looked for the right storytellers and the right experiences. And we very much focused it on something that would visually be very appealing because we knew they were coming and taking pictures. Um, and that was our first trip. Wow. And it was But you thought about everything, even thinking about the visual that they will take pictures. I wouldn't have thought about that. Wow. It's um, 
fortunately for me, or unfortunately, I don't know. But I, when I, as I said, when I do things, I tend to go all in, and I'm very, I, I get very much the details. So this is why I knew when I said to my life coach, I'm a passionate person, but I don't know what I'm passionate about, and that's how I reached sort of this topic. Um, I knew that if I was doing, I was planning my 30th birthday party, I go to great detail. And I, I do that because I know that for my mother and for my grandmother. And I know that when you put a lot of thought, it's not money, it's thought into an experience, then you cover all the bases and you keep on creating what, what are known as sort of moments of delight where mm. like you're not expecting mm. it, but then you get a handwritten letter and you're not expecting it. And then something's waiting for you or the person that you meet somehow is connected to you in, in a more unique way than you mm. would have expected. It really just requires thought and effort. It's not necessarily a money thing. Um, and we did the trip. Most innovation are not. Yeah, yeah. Um, we did the trip and, and what it was was basically all of the data that Ido had presented to me, showing me that contrary to what most people in the community and in the Israeli government thought, most people actually don't know anything about Israel and are not negative, negative about it. They may be hearing some negative noise, but they're not necessarily negative about Israel. And they're open to be interested as long as we have something interesting to say. And that's exactly what happened. So we took them on, on experiences of Israel that, that no travel company would consider, um, including in a trip, a seven day trip to Israel. But, uh, but it was very interesting and on topic for this particular group. As an example, we took them to the city of Hulon, which is out on the outskirts of, of Tel Aviv. Yeah. Uh, and we took them there because it, at the time it was branded as the city of children. And we took them on a, the first thing they did after they got off the plane was we took them on mm. a tour of the various children's parks because mm. they were very unique because they were all based off of famous uh, children's stories. And so that. it was just an wow. interesting idea that didn't exist in other places. And mm. of course, it was very unique for these bloggers to, to come across. And then they met with the mayor or the, not the mayor of Hulon, um, but the, uh, the director, executive director of the city who was responsible for this shift. And she showed them a, an image of Hulon a hundred years ago, which was just sand dunes. And now what it was at the time. Um, beautiful city, yeah. yeah. And you're talking about women from England and Spain who had hundreds of years of history and heritage and in, in, in the space of a hundred years, could not imagine how you could turn a desert into a thriving uh, wow. first world country. So it, wow. was, it was a very exciting week and it proved to me that there's value here and that's when it took off. And really what it was about was about showing the vibe of the country. And we actually had a, um, a very nice kind of slogan, which was meet the people, feel the energy, share the experience. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, we learned a lot from, uh, from the first trip. We, of course, did survey before, survey after. We learned all sorts of things that we needed to, to improve. And this, we've been doing it for 10 years. And every time uh, we improved the, the quality of the tour. So it remained a, a tour for a group of, a small group of global influencers. Over the years, they became more and more impactful. So, you know, we had trips where 15 million people were, were followers wow. of these five people. Yeah. Um, and so it's always million. five people, always bloggers on a certain topic. So it's not bloggers anymore because bloggers, uh, by definition today, the way social media has taken over is that you are an influencer. It's called digital influencer. Mm -hmm. You may have a blog, but you'll promote, you promote the blog through your social media. So your social media needs to be very active and then you refer to your blog. So your main sort of um, source of, of distributing your content is through social media, um, rather than expecting people to sign up to your blog and then get a notice that there's a new yeah. blog post and so on. Information comes to you uh, as opposed to you seeking out information. I and see. so uh, we will prefer to bring influencers that have blogs as well, or YouTube uh, pages or podcasts, or anything that, that is what we call evergreen, in the sense that it stays online for years after it's been posted. Because what we're looking for is that today even, if you Google Israel, travel to Israel, one of the top results will be 
um, a blog post of 17 things you have to know before you travel to Israel by one of our travel bloggers that was in Israel in 2017. Wow. Because it kind of, you know, and he updates it every year. He came back several times afterwards. So, yeah, it's, that's, that's mainly who we, we brought. During COVID, we had to stop, obviously. And now, literally right now, I'm working on bringing back the tours. But the difference is that I want to be more impactful than we were then. At the time we got to in 2019, we did about six or seven tours a year. Um, and 2020, we were slated to do eight tours. But of course, we were unable to. We did only two and then COVID took over. And I feel that it's a wonderful project. But if you don't do a minimum of 20 tours a year, uh, mm -hmm. then you won't have, you won't move the needle. It's, it'll remain in the sort of... Well, it same? How did you get to this conclusion? I mean, this is a very, I mean, because it seems that you're looking at your work and you're, um, you're, you're taking a critique way, think. Yeah, uh, no, I, I take. No, I'm I saying take, it, it's honestly, very unusual, you know, people usually fall in love with what you do and you're asking yourself what should be better. What well, should... I, I have to say, and, and I said this to one of, one of our donors um, a few months, a few weeks ago when I decided that, that this is what I wanted to do. I said, you know, you've been asking me to do more tours every year for several years now. They've been supporting us since 2013. And I, at some point, I felt that, okay, eight, around eight tours a year is, is the maximum that we can do without sacrificing the quality of the tour. Um, because the more people, the more tours you do, the more expensive it becomes. At some point it becomes, it doesn't, it's not cost-effective and then you have to sacrifice some of the quality of the tour. And I refused to do that. And I was like, no, and there, it's not the only way that we can improve Israel's image. Digital allows us to do campaigns and work with you know, um, other kinds mm. of influencers and so on. Um, and uh, this particular donor said, I like the tours, you know, we'll give you more money, do more tours. And I'm like, no, I, I, I was wow. in love with, the, uh, with our own, with my own sort of uh, passion project. And COVID made me understand looking with hindsight that while it was an amazing project and still is, um, if I really want to move the needle, we have to get to critical mass. You know, it's like if we did, if there was birthright and they didn't bring 50,000 a year, they brought 5,000 a year, it would be wonderful, but it wouldn't create the ripple effect that it's mm. created over the years. So um, when I look at the trips that we do, I don't look at the number of tours. I look at the amount of people that we want to reach. And I feel that Israel on digital, by definition, needs to reach um, dozens of millions. So we're talking about 20, 30, 40 million people a year on digital, which sounds like a big number, but it's not really because digital is always in exponential numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we need to reach that many people to see a shift in perceptions. And therefore, to get to that point, we need to do at least 20 tours. Uh, that was sort of the calculation that we got to. So now I'm sort of saying, okay, we'll do more tours and we'll add, we'll go up to eight participants per tour. That's the maximum that I'm willing to go up to without paying a price. Okay, so you're saying, you're saying, about, okay, so you're talking about the, it will be 20, but with eight people, this is what yeah. you're saying. Okay, yeah. and it's going to be diverse. I mean, different kind of sub. I mean, different. So these subjects. again, these are things that we were we were looking at as you know, in the last ten years, social media has really like gone crazy, and yeah, yeah, digital yeah, influencers yeah. are yeah. the yeah. thing. But now there are new platforms. We didn't do TikTok before before now, and now we won't be able to avoid doing TikTok uh, influencers as well. So, and and you have to adapt yourself to each uh, uh, type of platform. Today, there's a lot of video in the past. There wasn't a lot of video. It was easier and so on. Um, so what we understood is that we need to look at sort of um, how are we going to create the biggest impact that we can? Um, and we want to, to um, make sure that, yes, we're bringing um, eight people per tour uh, in the first year, go up, have, do 10 tours a year, and then by the second year, get up to 20 tours and then 20 tours every year. And then another thing that we noticed is that in the past, when we were doing seven or eight tours, every tour was on a different topic. And mm. in 2019, because the Israeli food industry became very popular globally, I don't mean food tech, I mean Israeli food. 
just took over the world. Everybody loves hummus. Everybody loves sabich. Everybody, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah Restaurants yeah. opening and so on. Um, all of our tours were about food because okay. we felt that it, we wanted to push okay. a successful. Okay. Yeah. And, and so we understood that if we're going to do 10 tours a year, what we're going to do is we're going to see what topics are trending online amongst the audiences that we're interested in okay. impacting, so wow. mainly wow. young people. And within those topics, what is Israel particularly good at and has a really interesting story to tell about? Mm, and focus on, panel. yeah, <laughs> and then focus on three topics per year so we can do at least three tours on one topic. So we can also start repeating uh, experiences in that way, bringing some of the costs down. Uh, and then I'm leaving one tour as like a joker, one that's sort of a... Uh, um, do, do you want to share what are the topics for this? Yeah, uh, we don't know yet because once oh, you don't we, know. Okay. Um, okay. I have to raise the funds for it. Wow. So once we raise the funds for it, I start building the, the team back again. The team needs to start searching for the topics and so on. I assume it's going to be very much, uh, probably one of them is going to be travel because it just, it's a, you know, Israel still remembered for the positive uh, handling of COVID and um, people really want to come here and, and, and the tourism ministry did a lot of work in that, in that sense. So probably travel, something probably relating to food, I'm not entirely sure, uh, and probably something relating to wellness, um, you know, connecting and, and of course connecting our technology to all three of those topics. That's probably the areas that we're going to look at. And the one joker is one that I always keep because we did um, in 2016 or oh, 17, I don't remember. We did um, a tour, which was also a campaign, which was um, completely crazy. We basically, I, I got a bit bored, to be honest. <laughs> and I went to a, a creative company and I said, we paid them to give us, you know, ideas for a, a, a different kind of tour that was also a campaign. And we said it has to include people coming to Israel and it has to use the power of social media to create a big splash. And one of the ideas that they gave us was to bring dog influencers to Israel. Yeah, oh, I love and it. <laughs> bizarre. But basically, if you follow social media well enough, you know that if you post an image of a pet, then that increases the amount of people who are interested in that particular yeah. image or story or, or video. And there are dog influencers on Instagram and TikTok and so on who have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers. So it's not the actual person, it's the dog that actually has the platform. <laughs> and so they came up with this idea called Doggy Vacay in Israel. And we did a campaign uh, where we invited dogs on International Dog Day to sign up to getting to participating in a competition for a tree free trip dog oh, plus one I love meaning it. their owner and the dog to come to israel for a free trip why because tel aviv has the highest dogs per capita in the world we had to make that connection otherwise it's not authentic and of course you know hundreds of dogs signed up uh, we chose the ones that had the most uh, following uh, we also reached out to a lot of them and in the end, we brought six dogs and did a whole campaign about it. It ended up on the national news. We ended up uh, with follow. We 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 uh, you know tracked everything, and we had seven hundred million impressions wow. about this. I experience. love it. I love. So you I'm know, keeping one to wow. to like as a, I call it a joker because you never no, know. No, 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 it's okay. I'm just telling you that you know I'm you know I'm into technology, so I'm just telling you that I think there is. I mean, there, there are a lot of, you know, influencers, mainly on Twitter regarding uh, Web3 and blockchain, yeah. you know, yeah. So I think, are, I think we have very good. And another issue that is very important for Gen Z and the millennium, I'm working on it, is uh, mental health. Mental health, yeah, definitely. And that relates back to COVID. And that's, that's how we would bring it into, we have to, um, the tour topic has to be something uplifting, exciting, fun because yes. we're trying to reach a lot of people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we would, we would focus, or we would call it wellness or something like that. Yeah. And there would be a focus, for example, on mental health. Yeah. But the, the, um, I'll give you a, a, an example of how we understood why, why we need to frame it in this way. So one of the things that Israel does extremely well is medical breakthroughs. We're very good at, you know, lots of doctors in Israel, lots of research. 
And so we wanted to do a trip for um, doctors. And we sent out, and the same, by the way, we wanted to do a trip for about uh, fintech, you know, finance. Mm. And in, the, in this field, a lot of the influencers are actually Jewish. Doctors mm, and <laughs> finance people. <laughs> and uh, um, a lot of them didn't want to come because they knew they were like, ah, oh, it's Israel, you know, okay. that interested. Interesting. <laughs> and we felt that it was also that the when we started reading the blogs and we started reading the content, it was um, a little bit dry. Okay. You need to be at the same level of technical understanding yeah. to be yeah, able to right. follow it, which means that. The, the audience is small. No, no, no. no. Yeah, I, I, I'm but, just telling you, you should look at the digital fashion right now. I'm highly- yeah, no, I, the, the, what we did, so we looked yeah. at, at doctors yeah. and medical, and then we thought, okay, what is adjacent to medical but is yeah. broader? We, yeah. we ended up with health. Health is connected oh, okay. to medical. But, and then what is adjacent to health that is a, a word and a concept and an and a industry that is very relevant for millennials and Gen Z, and that's wellness. So we ended up doing wellness tours mm, where we included wonderful. medical breakthroughs and research and whatever, but the topic was wellness. Yes. So well, for example, beautiful. we would do, you know, fashion and tech, um, food security, for example, is huge, but you wouldn't call it necessarily food security. You would call it social entrepreneurship and wow. then have a big That's focus. That's beautiful. That. Really? So I mean, the branding. I want to, I want to share with the audience, you know, you're so humble I saw a film you were in Abu Dhabi a year ago. Yes, in uh, Dubai, yeah. In Dubai, sorry. And yeah, yeah. You, sh- you decided to share the stage with the woman. Yeah. And you did something that really, for me, it was inspiring, but also touched my heart. Would you like, because uh-huh. I think, no, because I think this represents another part of how you are an ambassador of Israel. Can you share with us what you did? Um, So what it was, was basically uh, following the Abraham Accords, of course, the idea of having a lot of business between um, the the UAE and Israel was very popular. And we, Vibe Israel, sponsored the first business trip to business conference uh, in Dubai. And uh, we did that because... um, it was such a new opportunity and I felt that Vibe needed to be there as, as, a, as a people-to-people ambassador. You know, a lot of this happens at the government level. And of course, with a country like the UAE, it remains at government level. But at the same time, I was, you know, a good friend of mine, uh, two good friends of mine put together a WhatsApp group of women who felt that we could sort of connect business women um, from the UAE and from Israel. And so we started having people-to-people connections. And it felt to me that Vibe should be there. And so we sponsored the, um, the trip. And um, I, I, you know, part of the sponsorship included standing on stage and saying something. And as a nonprofit uh, and not business oriented, I was trying to figure out what it is that, that I wanted to say. And my main um, message was actually a message to the Israeli people, um, um, which was, the UAE, uh, the year before, had established a national branding ministry for the UAE. And they do a fabulous job in the UAE and especially Dubai for branding their country and marketing it to the world. And so I wanted to, to, to say to Israel, look, they're doing it. We should be doing it as well. But at the, So that was my message. But at the same time, I wanted it to be very authentic and, and natural and real. And so one of the women in the... Um, in this WhatsApp group was a lovely um, Emirati lady who uh, was fascinated by Israeli food. She had never been to Israel. She had not been to Israel uh, uh, when she received, uh, you know, this this invitation to join me on the on the podium. Um, but she was interested in Jewish food, and she was writing a cookbook called Kosherati, so Kosher Emirati, uh, because she she just fell in love with the idea and thought it was beautiful and. And once the doors opened between Israel and the UAE, she was very excited to come uh, to uh, Israel. She's a businesswoman. She has her own family business, very successful, but you know, she's a foodie. And so that's where we sort of started to connect. And I invited her onto the stage to, um, so that two women who are not government representatives, but love their countries and feel that we can bridge the cultural gap and bridge the you know, uh, political gap 
could speak. And so I said what I had to say. And then I invited her and, and I uh, I wanted to give her something. And I didn't know what it was that I could give her on stage. And I remembered on one of the trips that we had done that we had invited, it was a design tour. And there's this wonderful um, young designer who created a font that combined Arabic and Hebrew in the same the same words. So they took the word, she took the word like love. And when you read it, you can, you can actually, if you only speak Arabic and if you only speak Hebrew, you can actually read the word because she combined mm -hmm. the two fonts together. And she had created several of these uh, words. And I thought, what a wonderful idea if I could take this beautiful font, which looks very pretty and frame it and give it as a gift to her uh, to, as a sign of sort of uh, a connection. And we looked for the words that she had created. And one of the words was home, bait. Mm. And so uh, uh, I basically presented it to her to express, you know, from our home to your home. And really what is telling a country's story? You know, we're not on our own. It's all about connecting and cultural connections. And, and you know, how can we together make the world a better place? And then she responded in kind that her entire speech was actually in Hebrew. And she had learned Hebrew in order to make the wow. speech. Yeah, really yeah, I heard it. People did touch it. Yeah, I think yeah, it, yeah. we should put it in the show notes because it was so, it was so, I, I was, it was amazing. It yeah, was simply it was, amazing. It was a very, um, it was very exciting. I remember being on the flight and we were a hundred business people. This was the top Israeli business people. And we fly over, you know, the, the palm of, of Dubai. And this was the first, it was a private flight. So we landed in the private, it was the first flight into uh, um uh, officially into Dubai. And I have a British passport, so I can travel if I want, but I never wanted to travel to a country that wouldn't accept me because of my Israeli passport. And the feeling of landing in a country for the first time ever with an Israeli passport and being superbly welcomed in such a beautiful way because Arab hospitality is amazing. And feeling so, you know, I get, I like, I get goosebumps now because yeah. I felt I was part of history, and everybody on the plane, like, literally moved to to look at the palm, and I, I felt like the the plane was like tilting in a certain direction. Wow. Um, but it was just uh, the the experience of walking around, and and everybody's like, yeah, you know, and this is a Arab country. It was, you know, I grew up knowing, you know, okay, yes, we signed peace accords with. With Egypt and with Jordan, but it, it's like a cold piece. It's like it's not a we're not really seeking to connect. And and here it was like, let's get to know one another. You know, we can help one another. We can interest one another. Uh, and I hope that we do uh, a better and better job as time goes by to leverage that that desire and interest to both sides' benefit. I think there's a lot that can be done there. And actually, one of our tours. That we're thinking of doing is is to the to the Emirates and maybe bringing we would fund bringing Emirati influences to Israel and maybe they can fund bringing Israeli influences to the Emirates as a beautiful. sort of cultural bridge between the two it's countries. Beautiful, Jana, I, I I can't thank you enough. I'm sorry, as an Israeli, as a Jewish woman, I can't thank you enough for anything for all that you're doing for us. I'm I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah. There's no need to thank. I really I I um. If I didn't really, really love and enjoy what I'm doing, uh, then then it would be a sac. It's not a sacrifice. It's it's. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't really enjoy. But I think I, I think you can do what you love. You know, I teach. You know, all the time wherever I can. But still, you know, people should be appreciated because you had so many other options in your life, and this is what you choose. So it's our. Thank you. It's our honor, and I think we are all grateful to you. So I, you know what you're you're doing the same. In the end, well, yeah. <laughs> no, really. In the end, it's all of us doing all of these. Yeah. You know, some of us choose to do it full time. I have, I, I, you know, I have the luxury to be able to choose to do it full time. Yeah. But and some people, you know, amazing business people and cultural people and and you know, who are doing incredible work. We don't necessarily always interact and know about one another. And if there's a way to re to connect everybody and leverage that, it could be exponential. I think so. Uh, but uh, we're, we're all we're all part of of this story of building this this place yeah. this unusual so. yeah yeah Israel. i think so
So I'm looking forward, you know, it's, if it's okay, like in a few months after you all, I, we, we, I would like to invite you again. So you should yep, share and look, Everything depends on fundraising and, and being able to actually create the funding to, to get it off the ground again. I very much hope that I'll be able to do that. I'll be very disappointed if I if I won't, but it's not only it's not up to me. It's up to donors to decide that they want to support the project. Uh, I hope very much, but I I'm sure that whether we do, you know, manage to to do the tours again, or if it won't be tours, I'll probably end up doing something that is. I'm next, sure it's going to be remarkable, but you should still know that we're in the same place. Yeah. <laughs> so in a few months, if it's okay, well, you know, I'll absolutely. Thank you. I after after you've done something. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you much. very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 B